You're listening to the very first season ever of the Lifestyle Company Podcast, hosted by Kristen Forgion, designer, public speaker, and creator of Organic Desert Living. If you like talking design, business, and life without the filter, you came to the right place. In just six years, Kristen grew a one-woman side hustle into a multi-million dollar creative business. And it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows. Armed with grit and hard work, Kristen comes to you unapologetically with some tough love. They say wine is cheaper than therapy, and lucky for you, we've got that last part covered. So pour up and let's get to it. Before I get into how insane it is that we are recording episode seven and you are now listening to it, can we just take a moment to discuss how insane it is that it's the month of May? It's not only the month of May, it's the second week of May. What happened to 2019? I feel like January, February, March, April is like still kind of the new year, if you will. And then all of a sudden, it's the fifth month of the year and everyone is freaking out. And it's like, holy shit, what happened to 2019? Oh my God, it's the fifth month of the year. The year's almost half over. It's going to be summer. After summer comes back to school. After back to school comes fall. After fall comes Halloween. After Halloween, right? And so you get it. So last week, I had a legit freak out moment where I was like, holy shit, how did this happen? It's it's already May. And then that meme with Justin Timberlake and NSYNC, it's gonna be May, popped into my mind. And I saw that on Instagram like 95 times on May 1st. So welcome back. Episode seven. We are more than halfway done with the first season. And there's actually, including this one, only five episodes left. Can you believe that? How did it happen so fast. There's part of me that feels like a seasoned pro and there's part of me that feels like a teeny tiny baby that just came out of the womb. And I still can't believe that I'm here and I can't believe how much the podcast is growing and how kind you guys have been with rating and reviewing and how you're telling people and how you're telling me how you like the podcast. And I am so honored to be let into your world, whether you're a designer or an entrepreneur or a stay-at-home mom or a friend or whatever. I am so honored that of all the podcasts out there, you guys are choosing to tune into this one and to listen to me. So I hope you have enjoyed it so far. We still have so much packed into this first season, so I don't want you to get all bummer sauce on the fact that we're over the hump and there's only five left. Some of the best episodes we backloaded so that the the um, podcast would have some time to get its feet wet um, and you guys would have some time to catch on and, and actually start listening. So we have, I think I mentioned it in episode six, but we have been growing every single episode exponentially, like 200, 300, 400 plus more downloads every episode. You guys have so far downloaded more listens of episode five, which was the one with me, Kylie and Rachel than anything else. So I also thought that was kind of interesting because we literally, when we listened to it back, while we had so much fun recording it, when we listened to it back, we thought we sounded horrific like so bad, like literally cackling hens. It was awful sound quality. So the fact that that many people downloaded it and obviously you were telling people to listen to it um, is amazing. And I'm I'm so glad that you liked it because it was really fun for us to record and sounded like shit, really. So here we go. Um, we start every episode answering some questions. This one will be um, just like those. Um, what am I wearing? I am, oh wait, well, where am I? 
I'm, I see, I almost bulldoze over that one now because I'm in the same place every single time. I'm in the studio, the sound studio that I record at. And it makes it so easy because um, Kelly calls for me every week and she books me an appointment almost same time, same place every week-ish, depending on our schedules. And they have it all set up for me and they're sweet and they call us if there's bands in here so that you're not going to hear like someone jamming out, you know, in the background noise. And it makes the sound quality so good, minus the cackling hens. So if I learned anything from recording and re-recording episode one 45 times, it's that sound quality is everything. And so this studio has been such a blessing. It's just this little teeny hole in the wall, I repeat, hole in the wall, that is so great and totally serves its purpose and is perfect. I don't need anything fancy. I literally just need a soundproof room, my MacBook, and my microphone and earphones. So that's what we roll with. So that's where I am. Same place. Um, what I'm wearing, I'm wearing some parachute palazzo pants from our OG launch. So from the first launch, which is coming up. So we have almost had clothing, sh- shoes and accessories, all of the the stuff that completes kind of the lifestyle suite that we offer in the shop for almost a year. We debuted that in August. So now that it's May, as I just mentioned, we are like nine months in in having clothing, shoes and accessories, which was a total game changer for our business. So I cannot believe how fast that's gone. So I'm wearing pants from that original launch and a burnout basic um, from the shop too. So if you have not gone to log on to the shop or log on to the shop, I sound like AOL like a thousand million years ago or like my mom. Um, Hi, mom. Um, If you haven't been out there to look at what we have online, everything that we offer in the store is online. We try to make sure that the vibe is online too. It's definitely not as prominent as it is in the store, but Everything's online. Our stock is separate. So if you see something online, it's available. If you see something in the store, it's available. Um, If one is sold out from the other one, check the other. But there's plenty of stock for you to get through either the brick and mortar or online. So www.thelifestyledcoshop.com. And we, of course, have all of our favorite home decor that we style our installs with. And then clothing, shoes, accessories, all of our favorite things bought by me and Kylie and Rachel. And we might have some news in the buying category of our company in the next couple weeks. So stay tuned for that. I can't say more. I would. What am I eating? Um, Cinco de Drinco was last weekend. So we've been eating leftover carne asada, which has been amazing. And this fantastic clean shrimp ceviche that I made. And as I was making it, it was so emphasized that it's clean And then I was thinking like, is there any ceviche that's not clean? I guess if you put a bunch of like, if you did like mayo, you know how some some recipes have like that weird Mexican mayo stuff in it? Um, I don't even know what's in it, but I don't need any mayo of any kind or anything white like that. So mine was just lime juice and hot sauce. Um, But it was so, so good. I shared the recipes on stories. And then I ran into one of our clients at Costco and she was loading up her cart with all the fixings to make the ceviche the next day. So that was, was really cool to see. And I hope she made it. It was fantastic. So we've been eating that too. Um, What I'm reading, I haven't started anything new yet, but I told you guys last week that I downloaded Becoming on Audible. So I'm so excited to read that. We're going on vacation soon. I think I'm also going to pick up a couple actual books. I have the the Rachel Hollis books. Might read those. Might try to pick up like a rag autobiography of some kind. I don't know. If you have any suggestions, let me know on the DMs. Recent face palm. This week, knocking on wood. I have successfully remembered all of my shit. And I've actually cleaned out my closet, cleaned out the linen closet, and reorganized my jewelry. So what now, haters? 
no, I'm a biggest hater. And I'm pretty sure Kylie, Rachel, Amy, and Vince hate me a lot when I'm like, <laughs> and Kelly, can someone bring me whatever? Oh my God, I forgot X. Um, it's so bad, you guys. But this week I'm in the clear. So that's good. That's really good. On the radar, we're down to four candidates for our design associate position. And you guys, we got such amazing talent. Like I cannot believe the type of talent that's out there and the people that want to work for us. We have interviewed some really amazing people. It's been such a blessing getting to know some people and really learning about their stories and how they came to us. And now we are down to our final four candidates. So um, Amy interviews, who's our director of ops, everybody, and then Rachel and Kylie who are part of our design team, of course, um, we're kind of the trio. They interview and then it rolls to Vince and I. So we are down to our final four candidates. Vince and I will, will interview them. And then hopefully we'll be making an offer and getting someone in here and new to introduce you to by the end of the month. I cannot wait. This is going to be a game changer for us in that we are going to be able to take on more projects of varying sizes and we'll be able to help more people and design other really, really cool shit. So I, I'm really excited for this person and really excited to see how it can change our project scope. Absolute death of the moment. Oh my God, you guys, I feel like I'm cheating. Like my heart, all of our hearts are so torn between our 75th build and our Montecito build. And they're kind of at the same stage, if you will. They're both like into finishes, which is when it really gets fun. So that's when all the tile goes in, all the countertops, all the wall treatments, paint is coming along, doors are starting to go in, hardware, all the lighting. So, so much of the goodness is all toward the end. So both of those houses are about at that point right now. We watched the kitchen floor in 75th go in this week. And while I wanted to gram it so bad and like scream it from the rooftops, we all decided as long as we can keep everyone quiet and no one leaks it, that we're going to stop showing the progress of the kitchen and hold off and wait to show everyone until it's completely done and styled and photographed and ready to go. Because I really think you guys will be so surprised with what we went for on the kitchen floor. It's something we've never done before and the use is so impactful and the application is just beautiful and every single surface in that place just was so well thought out and we designed it like almost a year ago. So it's so exciting to see it come together and to see the finishes that we thought were really progressive then actually be built. Oh my God. So I can't wait, but I really do feel like my, my heart is like, I'm like, I'm cheating on someone because I have so much love for both of these projects. And between Montecito and 75th, we just keep toggling and going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So that's kind of my update. Episode seven. If you caught the title, it's called Building Your Team. And as you can kind of see with the episodes thus far, I am really trying to make sure that we're covering topics that can be useful for you if you're a business owner, can be useful for you if you aren't quite a business owner yet, can be useful for you if you think you will own a business in your future. If you're not a business owner and you just really like the idea of entrepreneurship and I like to think just maybe building some interpersonal skills within yourself and the people that are around you. I hope that you are finding good value out of this podcast. I really take a lot of time and we as a company take a lot of time to think about what we're going to put out so that it feels well-rounded and so that we can give you little bits and then dive in a little bit deeper where we need to. So this particular episode is about building your team. 
And while I interviewed Kylie and Rachel and we all kind of talked and bantered and laughed and gave you a glimpse of what our life is like as designers, I didn't really in that episode get to share a whole lot about the strategy behind building a team that can get you to the next level-ish. And I say ish because the next level, and I'm doing air quotes right now, the next level is relative, right? Um, It's all subjective. What is your next level? Your next level and my next level are probably not the same levels. And that's completely fine. And that's the way it should be. Um, Next level for me doesn't mean happier or wealthier or busier or any of those things. I think for me, next level means more streamlined, more strategic, more effortless, less mistakes, if you will, more comfort, more trust, more ease of communication, a better experience for your clients, a better experience for you. It's it's not at all about money or level of business or any of that. It's, it's really helping to streamline your experience in your business for you personally and for your clients. In episode one, I also touched on how employees started for me. I think I always knew that I would have employees. And I think it's really important to figure out if that is you. And I'm going to, I'm thinking out loud as I'm saying this, I'm going to kind of touch on a couple different ways that you can look at that. If you would have asked me five years ago if I thought I was a good boss, I would have said, yeah. I I don't think I would have like affirmatively been like, yeah, I'm a great boss. But I think I would have said, yeah, I'm generally a reasonable person. I'm empathetic. I'm sympathetic. I'm understanding. Um, you, I like to think that you can talk to me about anything and I'm always going to give you my honest opinion. I think those are all characteristics of a, of a good boss. I think one of the things that I was lacking at that time in being a boss was really being able to put my needs second and put the needs of my employees as developing professionals first. And for me, that was the big key to changing the type of employee that I was getting, keeping employees and keeping the atmosphere happy and positive and enjoyable for both myself as the leader, our employees and our clients. And that is a learned skill for sure. I read a lot of books, you guys. I listened to a lot of podcasts. I talked to a lot of people in my life that I respected who were bosses. And it cost me a lot of business in the beginning because I probably didn't have the right people working for me. And as a business person or just as a mature individual and adult, you can't ever blame everything on someone else, right? You played some kind of part. It's figuring out what what part you did play and if you could have changed anything and how you can learn from that situation that's going to help you moving forward. So for me, let's go back six years and talk about just quickly how kind of employees came to be for me. And this is a question that I get all the time. I get questions all the time with designers or people in creative businesses saying, I am so overwhelmed. And even moms, I get moms out there all the time who message and say, I am so overwhelmed. I feel like there's not enough hours in the day. How do you do it? You don't sleep. I know you don't you know, how do you do it? What's your key to to balance? And again, I'm using air quotes. I hate that word. Um, I think balance is complete bullshit, frankly. I don't think there is balance. I, I think that's a buzzword that like some magazine made up in the early, I don't know, 2010s, if you will. Um, there is no balance. Life in general, as we lead it in 2019, is moving at a pace that I don't think it was ever intended to go. 
but we are all here along for the ride. And so for me, in the beginning, I started seeing early on that I needed help in certain areas. And for for a single solo entrepreneur, as, as they'll call it in the business world, as a solo entrepreneur, you will realize that you are doing things that you hate a lot of your day. And and it's it's true. And most of those things, I think, for, for some people in a creative business are, are things that are not creative. So if you're a photographer or you're a designer or you're um, a wedding stylist or you're a wardrobe stylist or you whatever your creative business is, I would venture to guess that the things that you hate are more of the administrative tasks, like writing people quotes, like um, editing. You, you hate editing. Um, like making revisions on designs, like just correspondence, general correspondence to clients, like managing contractors, like paying your taxes, doing your taxes, getting prepared to give someone your taxes to do, all of those things. And as I started really trying to focus on what I was doing all day, I felt like all I was doing all day was like kind of pushing papers, right? I would only design about once a week and outside of designing once a week, I was in the field a couple days a week. But other than that, I just felt like all day, every day, I couldn't get anything done. I was just like watching my email box. And if you caught me at the right time where I saw an email come in and I had an answer right away, yes, I would respond and I could manage that. But I would get so bogged down in email and I still do. And email is still one of the most challenging parts of of me, I think. It's not of my job, it's of me. It's the way that I choose to handle it. Um, But it was really hard. And so instantly when I started seeing that that we were getting clients enough to to make a profit and be successful, I knew that I needed someone on the administrative side. I thought about who could help me drive revenue. And at that time, I was the only person in the design wheelhouse. And I wasn't at a point from a design standpoint or from a leadership standpoint to groom another designer. I wasn't, I wasn't at the point where I could download and get what was in my brain and what was happening out of my brain, out of my mouth and into someone else. I was not there yet. And again, I think that's a learned skill. So the idea of bringing another designer on to where I could split projects and I could have two projects going at once, or it was always more than that, but let's say, Let's say I'm working on five projects and she's working on five projects. And without that person being a partner or an equal, I would have still had to creative direct those projects, which is a completely different job than being a solo designer. So because of that, I knew that I wasn't ready to do that. So my first hire was an office manager. And my office manager at initially worked part-time and she would manage all of our incoming inquiries. So she would field all of the new business. She would write contracts, gather deposits, run to the bank, order office supplies, um, do all of the things that help keep the office running. And at that time I was working in a little teeny, tiny, teeny, tiny closet. I had had an intern before that. That intern tried to steal my website, copy and paste. You heard about that. Um, So I went from that intern to a new office that was in an office building that was the size of a closet with no windows and um, an office manager. And we made it about a year like that. And it was great. And I think we taught each other a lot. And she was really helpful for me. And she definitely helped me book more business than I would have been able to book and field on my own and and left on amazing terms. And she was fantastic. And she, she too, she was a little bit older than me. And she too helped me to see what I probably could work on as a boss and what my strengths were as a leader. And I think they're very different. So working on your strengths as your as a business owner and the person who has the best interest for your business is one thing. And then 
being a leader and the skills that you need to motivate, inspire, and challenge your employees is is another. I don't necessarily think that they're they are synonymous, and I I think that they both require equal attention and focus. So after that, I really felt like hiring a designer was my next best hire. Oh. This this is a long story. And I'm going to get to all the bad shit, like all the horrible employee stories and the things that we've we've gone through and just just because it's highly sensational and will be really entertaining for you guys um, in one episode called All the Bad Shit in Business. I'm also going to talk about how we were sued and what that was like. And I can talk about that now because we won the case and we're through it. But um, all of that's coming in All the Bad Shit in Business because I really wanted to put all that in one so that we were never toggling from positive to negative all the time on on the podcast and through through the episodes. So this employee, um, at that time my mom was helping me do interviews, so she was helping me vet people. If you really wanna know, you know how you're best to work with, just ask your mom because she has been with you or and or had some part in raising you if she didn't raise you herself or you know she bore you, so there's that. Um, so my mom was really helping me and our goal at that point was to find someone who could alleviate some of the pressure, take on some of the tasks, was good in front of a client, and could design, really. And I, I knew, especially in the beginning, I couldn't pay a seasoned designer. And I didn't necessarily want to. I feel like at that point in my career, I was still building my own aesthetic. Who am I? What am I? We didn't have a name for it yet. It wasn't called Organic Desert Living. I definitely feel like we were taking some projects that we probably shouldn't have taken. But again, at that point in your career, when you're a couple years new, you have to take some of that business because you have to figure out what you really like and and how you're going to make this thing go and get some client experience and make some mistakes and all that stuff. That's all totally normal. And trying to avoid it is not possible. So I, I don't recommend that. Just listen to your gut, as I always tell you. So we found this um, this person who had, I want to say that she had like a vacation rental styling business, if you will. And so she bought furniture and she staged some vacation rentals for a family friend, if I remember correctly, or for a family member. And she was spunky and great. And at the time, it really seemed like a really good fit. Um, she worked with us, with me, for about 10 months, about 10 months, I think, in total. She ended up getting herself fired because she lied to a client and um, just, it was not good. It was not good. I'll save the details. Um, But things also started to go sour, I'd say about month five or six. And part of the reason why was because I don't think her expectations met my expectations. And I'm, I'm not saying that she couldn't live up to what I needed her to be, but we were just very different from a personality standpoint and we were going in very different places. I was running a profitable design business that was growing and she was designing on the side where her children were her, her number one priority. And I mean that with no disrespect. I think that that is admirable. Being a mom is the hardest thing on earth. There will be a time, however, when you will have to probably at least balance the priorities between what means more to you. And I think that was really hard for her. And I took the brunt of that and I was vilified because I had expectations of her at work. And it always seemed like she was struggling internally with her expectations as a mother or her expectations at home or however that worked. It was always reversed back to me like she was doing me a favor by working for me and she felt like she was being underpaid. At least that's what I gathered. It came up every day, all day. She would drop these bombs on me like we're going to a client appointment. She'd be like, I'm thinking about quitting. 
Like, wait, wait, what? What do you, what, you're, you're right now? Like you're thinking about quitting right now? What do you mean? And naturally when you work with someone 40 hours a week, um, you get close to them and it's alarming and polarizing and terrifying as a business owner to have, have an employee, especially it's one employee. We were a team of three then, um, say that to you. And so it was off and on for a while and, and come to find out there were some things from a client standpoint that were not going well. And while I very much think she made some major mistakes in how she handled a lot of things in the situation, um, I definitely feel like I was not at the place to give her enough attention to, to help push my firm forward and develop her as a designer with where she was in her life. So... It just, it just was bad, right? BAD bad. It just wasn't a good combination. And then we brought in a project manager after that, and that wasn't a, a really great situation either. So there was like a good two years, you guys, where I had some very, very, very questionable hires. And you're giving away a lot of control, and part of hiring people is trying to understand how they're going to perform in the job. And that's really hard to do with two interviews and a resume, right? Like there's there's a lot of things that you just kind of have to get to know about people. It's kind of like like dating someone and never living with them and thinking that you know everything about them. No matter how many times you spend the night, you don't know everything about them until you live with them, right? And we can all attest to that. And for some people, it totally works out without living with them and they stay married forever. And for some people, it doesn't. And, and they're like, wow, oh my God, I'm so glad I lived with you. Like this is not working. So in building your team, for me, it was really important to go through those experiences of the first like three very bumpy, 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 bumpy years so that I could be self-reflective enough to look within what I was doing and understand what my role was so that I could get better and get better as a boss. And I think I've talked about this before. Well, this episode doesn't have like step one, two, three, four, five. Try to understand where I'm going with this in that There was a turning point for me. There was a pivot point, like I always talk about. There was a pivot point where it was very clear that something I was doing wasn't working. And I think part of it was timing, for sure. I think part of it was hiring the wrong wrong people and not understanding what the red flags may have been in the beginning. Um, I also think part of it was not understanding what our client needs were. So until you have a good understanding of your client process and how you're gonna manage a project and everyone understands it and it's not up for interpretation, it's going to be really hard to manage employees because you you have no foundation, there's no process. And while every single person doesn't need process, most people do, and clients definitely do, no matter what type of personality they are, no matter how much they trust you, they need process. They need to know what's coming. They need to know how the process is going to work. Who are they paying? When are they paying? What is it getting them? How long is it going to take? Help them to understand and anticipate what their needs are going to be so that there aren't a whole bunch of, of questions and surprises and all of those things that happen when everyone is underprepared. So because of that, I think those first employees were really underserved, underserved by me as a leader. And again, I am not taking responsibility for the very, very, very shitty things they did, but I am saying that I could have done better to serve them better to ultimately serve our clients better. And I like to think that 
all of the client challenges that came from that, we resolved happily and everyone's happy and well and good now. But at the time, it was like really freaking dramatic and terrible. And so in building your team, you've really got to figure out as a business owner and as the leader, what are you willing to compromise on? If if you take nothing else away from this episode, figure out what you're willing to compromise on because there will be something, there has to be something. And in compromising in some way, that will help you to understand that you you got to pick your battles. Having employees who are dedicated to you is pretty much the biggest compliment on earth as far as I'm concerned. I truly feel like any of our employees would take a bullet for me. I would never let them, but I think they would take a bullet for me, for us, for our family, for our business, for our clients. And that is something that we have worked up to. That is something that we have built together as a culture. And I like to think that that is because they feel an overwhelming amount of support from us in all aspects of their lives. And they know that anything that happens, we will back them up on. It doesn't mean that they won't make a wrong decision and there won't be a training opportunity. But like I say all the time, I can fix 99% of what you do. I really can't. All you have to do is allow me the opportunity to understand honestly and authentically what happened so that we can make the right decisions. And with those first couple employees, I wasn't given that opportunity. Even though I don't necessarily think I was ready, I wasn't given that opportunity. And I wasn't allowed to fix things because I didn't know what was going on because things were being hidden from me and there were lies being told and client stories weren't matching employee stories and it was just not not a good situation. So you have to build your team with people around you that you trust, that trust you, that are drinking the Kool-Aid. I know it sounds like Jonestown and I don't mean it to sound like that, but you want to make sure that you are hiring people and attracting people that believe what you believe and that you guys are working toward a common goal. I don't mean politically. I don't mean pro-vax, not pro-vax. Like, I'm not talking anything like that. I'm talking about in business. It is also very personal. So you should share common ground. You really should. And we talk about this with clients. We talk about it with our employees from the very first interview. Are you on time? Like as basic, basic, basic as are you on time? Like, are you prompt? Do you have a general understanding of people's time? Um, I am very sensitive to being on time and sensitive in a way that like, if you're going to be late, all good, just send everybody a text and say, hey, I'm going to be late. No problem. Like most of the time, I'm not even going to ask you why. If it happens every single day, I'm going to be like, why are you late every single day? But for the most part, you have a good understanding of time management. You know how to get yourself to work on time. Like very, very basic job related principles. You would be surprised how many people don't actually understand. And if you would have talked to them about that early on in their journey, you would have had an opportunity to to correct. Um, Trust is a huge one. So you have to trust the people that you hire. And that doesn't mean that you have to blindly let them lead you into a black hole of of death and not in the good kind. But you have to trust them. You have to you have to give them capable hands and empower them to use their own brains in their own reasoning and their own project skills to get your company and your client to a better outcome. I think trust is a huge one. I am the opposite of micromanaging, which I have also found can be challenging for people. And I realize that I have to hire people who can deal with the opposite of micromanaging because I actually think the opposite of micromanaging is probably a little harder than micromanaging for some people. Not for everyone. Some people love it. But in my world, the opposite of micromanaging is like, 
okay, this is what we have to do. This is how, how I would do it. These are the inf- this is the information. These are the things you need to know. This is what it needs to be done by. Got it? <laughs> and if you talk to anyone who works for me, that is 100% how, how it rolls. And unless you wave the white flag and unless you tell me that you need help, I am going to assume because I have all the confidence in the world in you that you have confidence in yourself and that you can do this. And I'm not going to ask you how you are with said task. I'm, I'm not. I'm going to assume that it's getting done. And until you tell me that you need help or that you have questions or that you need some of my time for that, I'm going to assume that when it's supposed to be done, it's done. And like I said, that can be really challenging for people. I have found that I have got to address that early on in the interview process because we are a very self-directed environment and that is how I work best. And ultimately, if I'm going to lead our team from a design standpoint to a growth standpoint, to a project management standpoint, to a client satisfaction standpoint, to just a plain happiness standpoint, I can't be driving myself nuts like micromanaging someone who doesn't work that way. It will, it wouldn't be a fit. That That's the thing. And I think early in my career as a boss and as a business owner, I used to try to mold people, right? And change them and teach them. And I thought that maybe I could, you know, teach them how to be proactive and, and teach them how to work in an atmosphere like that. And while I don't necessarily think all dogs can't, learn new tricks, I think characteristically, it's really challenging to retrain an adult's brain in a way that can be positive. I think that's a self-reflection thing. That's a self-help book thing. That's a hypnosis thing. That's a um, a podcast thing. That's, a, that's like a work on in, introspectively type of task. I don't necessarily think that's a learned skill from a boss. So Figure out as a business owner and as a leader what your hot buttons are and what you can compromise on. For me, I know that I can't compromise on micromanaging. I'm not a micromanager. I have a million things to do and managing you at a level that requires it to be micro is not the type of management that I want to do. I want to manage you at a macro level. I want to plan from a 40,000 foot level with you. I want to include you in our growth plan. I want to congratulate you in all things that you do. And if I'm involved in the day-to-day minutia, that's gonna be very challenging. Which is also interesting because you guys know that we're pretty much all attached to the hip every single day. But I'm not looking over anyone's shoulder asking to be copied on every single email. We tend to copy each other on emails because we want everyone to be involved, but like, I'm just not that person. And so I need to attract employees that excel and thrive in that type of environment, not the opposite. I hope that made sense. It feels really weird to not be like step one, step two, step three, step four, step five, because I know a lot of people like to learn like that. But I'm hoping that letting you into this side of my brain as an entrepreneur is going to guide you equally there. And I also know that Kelly will transcribe this brain dump into show notes and that will help you too. So just like we talked about in knowing your worth, I find immense value in understanding what employees are good at and what you're good at. And you can start this with your very first hire, whether your first hire is an intern or a virtual assistant or your mom on the side or however that works. Figure out and even involve them if you have already hired someone in what you like to do and what they like to do. And you will immediately see where, the, where there is crossover and where there, there might not be. You guys could be on completely different planets when it comes to tasks, and that might not be a bad thing. If this, if your employee loves to do payroll 
and they're in a capacity within your business that they can do that, like an office manager, like an admin position, you know, something of that nature, an accountant, like by all means, let them do that. You don't love that. Or do you? Like, uh, you know, do you know what I mean? So it's, it's really beneficial if you can involve your employees in, in these tasks. And we even do the same thing with clients. What do you, how do you like to be communicated with? What do you like? How can we help you with that? And we specifically select projects that will allow us to do what we like. We don't want to work on projects that we don't like. For instance, we really don't do commercial work. We've done it a couple times. Every single time I've done it, it's been terrible. Not something that I love. Um, not, sh you know, shaming any of the commercial designers out there. There is a lot of money to be made in commercial. There are some really amazing projects in hospitality and commercial. But for me, I don't want to design restaurants. I don't, I don't want to design commercial spaces. There is not enough warm and fuzzy for me. I like families. We like families. We like residential. We like residential lines. We like builds. That, that's what we like. We, we're not real big into commercial. So it, it's super important to establish that early on. And, and talking with your employees and your clients will help figure out what you're good at and what they're good at. And then that leads me to the big one, delegate. Get okay with delegating. One of the biggest strengths of an entrepreneur is that most of them are control freaks. And one of the biggest weaknesses of an entrepreneur is that most of them are control freaks. It is a blessing and a curse. And if you can figure out how to channel that control freakism into things that are manageable that will be beneficial for your business versus things that are completely unmanageable and will not be beneficial for your business, that will be a game changer for you. And your employees can help you do that. Let them help you. It took me a very, very long time to be able to accept that. And I can honestly tell you, it all comes from confidence and personal growth. So start taking the steps, even just baby teeny tiny ones. Let someone else order pens. Let someone else help you so that you can start removing some of these tasks, the mundane stuff that you don't love. There is no passion behind ordering pens. I don't care what kind of business you run, there is no passion behind ordering pens. There's never been a day in my life that I woke up and I was like, I can't wait to order pens today. Am I right or am I right? So that being said, delegate. Let them help you. It will free up your time. It will free up your mind share and it will help you from this overwhelming feeling that you're drowning. Okay, so you've delegated. You have talked to your employees early on so that you can figure out what they like. You are going through personal introspection so that you can figure out what characteristics about yourself work well with others. You are deciding what kind of boss you are. Are you a micromanager? Are you a not micromanager? Are you um, introverted? Are you extroverted? All of these kind of, like I said, introspective things you need to figure out about yourself so that you can, you can get on a path to identify how to be a better boss. Once you have a foundation built, and by foundation, it's not a number of employees. It's not five employees, 10 employees, 50 employees in my mind. It is, are things running smooth enough that as a business owner, I can open some of my mind to, to get to the next place, the next level, as I started this episode talking about, whatever that next level is for you. Once you have that foundation laid where your bills are being paid, you are moving through the process of if you're a client-based business or a service-based business or even a product-based business, if your process is under control, that's 
a good sign that you're moving in the right direction. If your employees are generally happy, talk to them often, ask them what they need. I'm sure you've seen all the statistics out there that talk about wages and that wages are actually not the most important thing to most employees. There are a lot of other things that are important to them. Some things as basic as being thanked. Like, just thank me. I would really like to have some recognition, general recognition, public recognition. Um, all of those things will help your employees feel a sense of fulfillment and want to stay for longer. And once you have the foundation laid, once you've done some introspection so that you really know what kind of boss you are, what you need to work on, like full steam ahead, all things are going well. Then I think you really have the luxury of getting to look at hiring in a different way than maybe you did before. At least this is how it happened for me. We finally got to a place where I could look for talent. And, and the reason why I say it that way is because I think talent is kind of the all-encompassing package that a person can offer you. And when you're trying to find the right hire and building your team, you want to make sure that the talent is there, right? Especially in a creative business, they need to be able to do the tasks that you're asking them to do, many of which are creative-based, which tends to translate and be called talent. But it's also, do they have everything that you're looking for in this ideal candidate, in this ideal person? What What's the talent like? And in hiring these past three design positions that we have, I have been able to see, and really four, because marketing and, and hiring Kelly, our marketing manager, is just as much of a talent as, as a designer is. Um, marketing is a no bullshit type of business. There is a ton of knowledge that's behind it. There is a ton of creativity that's behind it too. It is the backbone of our business, if not our director of ops who, who manages all of our client intake and, and all of our projects in terms of who we, who we get to work with and who we don't get to work with. Um, so they're, they're all weighing equally in my mind on each other. And I think that the talent is really, really kind of the focus of what takes your team to the next level. And so now that we are, are at the place we're at, I am able to specifically look at the talents of every single person on our team and figure out if there could be anything that was lacking, what might that be? And how can we get that in the next candidate to really like put the last piece into the puzzle? And the, the puzzle's always growing, right? When we hired Rachel, that was the last piece. And I and we were good for a, for a while. And I kind of thought for forever. Then we brought on Kelly. And I thought that was the last piece. And we're, we're good. And, and that was going to be our last hire forever. And then now we're hiring a design associate. And we'll be good. And that'll be our last hire forever. But that's just not how it works when you're in a thriving business. And, and again, this is all like a blessing. And, and so, you're so lucky if that is you that you continue to get to take on great people and can provide them with a positive atmosphere and a positive learning environment and a, a great experience. And you can be part of their journey. I personally find so much pride in, in being who they also chose, right? This is a two-sided relationship. Um, and in employment, a lot of times it's not viewed that way. It's like, am I gonna get the job? And am I gonna get the job? Am I gonna get the job? But like, do you want the job? Now that you know more about the job and now that you know more about us, as a company and what our culture is and what we believe and what we stand for, do you still like me? Like, do you wanna go on a third date? It's really truly the way it is. Are you swiping right or are you swiping left? Um, and so taking a look at the talent and how that talent rounds out your team, as soon as this hit me in this way, I really started thinking about it like a sports team, right? Like you can't play baseball without a pitcher and a catcher. And 
if your pitcher pitches in a certain style, you need to have a catcher that can receive those pitches and understand his style. Or you're going to be having wild pitches and things are going to be going all over the place. Um, we're in baseball season, so I decided to pick a baseball analogy. But football works too, right? If you've got a quarterback who's like a cowboy and you need a running back or a wide receiver that's going to be able to receive that and handle that and know what to do with it. And the same exact thing is true in an office environment. Um in hiring in-home help. We're also hiring a nanny right now, so we've been kind of learning about that a little bit um, and with your employees in, in your creative business or in any business, really. And I kind of think it's the same with friends. Like, in your group of friends, especially as you get into your 30s, or, and honestly, if I could have learned this in my 20s, it probably would have saved me a lot of heartache. Accept people for who they are, identify what their strengths and weaknesses are, and and kind of build around that. Like, be, be okay with it and figure out how you can help them. And again, I'm not talking about like someone being a total asshole to you and you just like continuing like, thank you, may I have another. That's not what I'm saying. But I do think that there's a lot of humility that that can be passed on really easily without kind of saying a thing. So I feel very lucky in being able to select our candidates based on their overall talent and the talent pool that the market offers at the time. And no matter when you're hiring, you're going to find different people available at different times. And timing is everything. And people happen and things happen and do not ever hire someone out of convenience. That's something that the very wise Vince Forgione, my husband, has been saying since as long as he's been a manager and he's been a people manager for like 15 plus years. Um, do not hire people out of convenience just because you need a warm body. And most of the businesses that I think my strength in speaking to is in are not those businesses where he was in food and beverage and you need someone to cover the shift. So you're going to hire someone to cover the shift. And we are not in that mindset or in that business, frankly. So we need a lot more than just a warm body. We need a lot more than someone to just cover a shift. We are letting someone into our lives and then we're endorsing them so much so that we're letting them into the homes of our clients. And that's a big, that's a heavy ask. That's a big endorsement. That's something that needs to kind of effortlessly just work. And it, it is a really hard, I think, thing to kind of grasp. And once you do, it will make hiring that much easier. And I think, again, it's something that you need to work up to. So in conclusion, let's go back to kind of building a little bit more for the beginning entrepreneur. You're one woman or one man show, and you're thinking about hiring your first person. The easiest thing to do and the advice that I give most often is to really identify where your weaknesses are and hire someone that complements those, which means fills those weaknesses with their skill. That is going to be your most beneficial. In that position, if you're trying to figure out who to hire, specifically in design, do I hire a designer or do I hire an office manager? In photography, do I hire another photographer or do I hire an editor? You need to figure out what is making you money and what you like to do. For me, I wouldn't be hiring someone who wants to do what I do because that's probably going to be a fast track to nowhere. You need to hire someone, especially your first hire, that is going to help you manage what you don't actually like to do because those skills are very much alive and well when you're managing any business. It's a lot. There's a lot of tasks that you never anticipated. There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot to keep up with that has nothing to do with your actual trade or your actual skill or what your business actually is. For me, it's interior design. For you, it could be anything, you know, anything. 
And specifically creatively, I feel like the gap is even wider because creative entrepreneurs tend to be so right-brained and many of them don't have a lot of left-brained tendencies, AKA administrative, financial, all of those things. And that's a huge stereotype and I realize that and I'm, I'm saying that because it exists to my knowledge at least. And if I'm wrong, I don't think I am, but if I am, um, note that I'm not trying to insult anyone. I'm just saying as as a group in the masses, most cre- creative entrepreneurs are who I hear from most. And that's probably because those are the type of people that are following me the most. So something else that I want you to get from this episode, don't be afraid to fail. Don't be so afraid to hire someone that you don't end up hiring anyone. Also don't hire them out of pity. Don't hire someone that you know is not gonna be a good hire for you but you're going to have some F-ups in there. You're gonna hire someone awful, for sure. And it's kind of a rite of passage, you know? Like everyone had their first kiss, it's gonna be like that. You're, you're gonna hire somebody awful and it's okay. And they're gonna trick you and they're gonna make you think that they're great and they're not. And let's just say that there's never anything malicious behind it and let's hope that that's true and let's hope that they don't cost you thousands of dollars. It also might happen, but you can't be so afraid to keep going forward because you might make a wrong decision. You just need to hire someone if that's what's going to push your business forward. Affording that person is another challenge, if you will, in figuring out. And every business is so different. I I have a hard time consulting on how to afford your first employee. I think you have to look at what is profitable for you and how you can cover those costs and get them covered before you hire someone. Ultimately, I like to have a year's salary in the bank for that person, or let's at least say six months. Six months in the bank for that person and be very honest with them. Um, You can start them with a six-month probation period. I hate the word probation because it makes it sound like they did something wrong before they even started, which is screwed up. But be very honest with them. In six months or in three months or every month, we're going to talk about the success of this position and how you're doing. And as long as all things are pointing forward and we are able to push this business in the direction it needs to go, you will continue to grow and all things will be well. But I think it's really important to have at least six months of their wages in the bank safeguarded so you know that they're ready to go so that you're not constantly worried about how you're going to pay them. I think that is a huge burden to, to bear on a business owner. And if you are in a business that might not have the cash flow that um, is flexible, it can be really challenging. So make sure that you either figure out how you're going to fund that, which doesn't mean that there aren't great options out there. It doesn't need you know mean that you need to have a stack of cash sitting around. It just means you need to be strategic, whether you talk to your banker about a business line of credit or you take a cash advance on a credit card that you have a payment plan for ahead of time, those types of things. Um, for your first employee, really is what I'm saying. I don't know that I would do that for future subsequent employees, but um, it's a big jump and you've got to be comfortable with it. And you don't want that weight bearing on you of like, oh my God, how am I going to pay this person? Ultimately, you gave this person a job. And remember, you need to be there for them too. You need to be providing them what they need in a boss and a leader and as as an employer, not just what you need. It's not a take, take relationship. It's a give, give relationship is, is kind of the way I like to think about it. So That's how it happened for me. Building the team was really rough in the beginning and got infinitely better. And I truly feel like the reason it got so much better is because I changed my way of thinking. I decided that I wanted to be there for my employees. I wanted to serve them. I wanted them to want to work for me instead of making them sign a contract with a non-compete that they couldn't work for anyone else. I think that was a big one too. 
Um, I wanted to invest in my employees. I want to give them wellness. I want them to be happy. And I think that when when you have the financial backing and, and the business health to do that is when kind of all the things cleared for me. And we were able to build the team that we've had for the last kind of two-ish years, two and a half years. So that is building your team. So we always end the episodes with three questions that I typically get from social media or emails. And let me tell you, I am getting so many questions now and I love it and I am so happy to answer every single one of them. And it does seem like the the level of questions is changing a little bit. It's not just like, what color should I paint my walls? It's getting deeper and more intricate. And I love that because those are the questions that I try to answer on the podcast, the ones that I can't just write right back to. So this one came from House of Wink. And among saying a bunch of really sweet, kind things, she said, I'm relatively new to having a business Instagram account, and I've been approached by so many accounts where you pay 40 or $50 to gain, to, I'm sorry, to be part of their giveaway and gain followers. I've heard different trains of thought on this, but I'm curious your opinion on it. Is this influencer fraud or just a boost in growing what could still be considered an organic following? Thank you so much for all the amazing information you're putting out there. So I thought this was a really great question. One, I do not think that buying into a giveaway is influencer fraud at all. Um, The advice that I gave House of Wink is I think you really need to look at the other people that are involved in the giveaway and vet the accounts and make sure that one, those are complementing accounts to you and your business, not competing, and two, that they're viable. I really shy away from that because I feel like if you are going to the lengths to pay to be in a giveaway, I just don't know how great the quality of the other accounts might be on the other side. Yes, everyone might be like you, but I kind of feel like that is probably rare. I also don't think that you necessarily want the followers that come from giveaway accounts. Typically what those people do is they're fishing for giveaways. They are like serial sweepstakes people and they're going to follow you until the giveaway is over and then they're going to unfollow you. And you don't want people following you really because of a giveaway. You want people following you because of your content and you want a follow that stays. Anyone can follow anyone and unfollow. And if that's the case, you're going to see these crazy spikes in numbers where you're up and then you're down and then you're up and then you're down and then you're up and then you're down. And it really shouldn't be like that. You should have organic growth. You really shouldn't be losing too many followers. And by too many, I mean like 10 a day. Like that's a lot of people to be losing. So that that just seems crazy to me. So you should be consistently gaining followers, not, not losing any. So no, I don't think it's influencer fraud. Would I ever do it even early on? No, I, I, I wouldn't because I don't think that you're going to get out of it what you're putting into it. I would rather see you take that same 40 or $50 and host your own giveaway on your own page by yourself and give away a 40 or $50 gift certificate to Target or to something that's relative to your business and have your existing dedicated following bring people that they know to your page. That's a much better endorsement than randomly hooking. Question number two is from Casey Jane. So my question for your next podcast is, when you hit your rough patches, how did you get back up? What kept you moving forward and motivated at the risk of losing it all? Such a good question. And this one really made me think. Um, hmm. (laughs) How do you get back up? and keep moving forward. I'm hesitating to answer because I don't know that this answer will be um, 
well received in that I I don't think it's the answer for everyone. I don't think that it's like gonna fix very many things. So, but I'm it's my truth, and I'm just gonna tell you. I am not a person that struggles with self doubt. I'm I'm really not. So like if it feels right to me, I'm doing it. And if it if at some point that poses a problem, I'm going to pivot. Really, that's what I'm gonna do. So when and yes, I have hit rough patches, of course. And I think I have this like undying commitment to my craft and to my passion and to myself that I'm I'm gonna keep going. And it has I have never once, never once thought about quitting. There was a time after um, let's see, I had I had an employee tell me they were moving at the and then they want at and that they wanted to work from home, which ended up being like a joke of the century. And then the next day I had another employee quit. And at, at that crossroads, I actually left the office. Um, it was like 11 a.m. on like a Wednesday. And I was like, I need some time. Like, uh, I, need, I need to get my mind right. I need, I'm, I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna f- try to think, figure out what I'm gonna do. And so I left and that was the only time ever that I've like left the office and you know I didn't like storm out or it wasn't anything dramatic or anything. I of course accepted the employee's resignation and said like I wish you nothing but the best. Um, and I and I do and I did and we keep in touch. Um, but I left and I went home and I remember saying to Vince, I don't know if I want to be a boss anymore. And he was like, "Wait, what? What do you mean?" And I was like, "I I don't know if I want to be a boss anymore." Like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I'm doing something wrong. I don't know if I'm not giving enough. I don't know, I don't know what I'm doing, but people are quitting and I feel like that has to be my fault. And he talked me through and it was emotional. I cried, I mean, I cry, I don't know. I cried for a little bit and I said, you know, I don't know if I wanna be a boss anymore. Maybe I'll just be a one woman show. I'll go back, this will give us an opportunity. You know, these two employees are quitting. Um, this will give us an opportunity to just kind of roll solo again. And it's been a few years since we've done that. And maybe I'll just design kids spaces. I love kids spaces. Maybe I'll just do that. I'll stay at home with the girls. And, um, you know, when they're both in school, I'll revisit things and see where we go from there. And that literally lasted like 15 minutes. I remember we were sitting at dinner. I had a glass of wine. Um, and it, it really lasted like 15 minutes. And I was like, what the hell am I talking about? Like, I can't do that. Yes, I love designing kids spaces, but like I have clients and we have amazing projects and I have been busting my ass at this for three years. And like, I'm not, no, I, I have to figure out how to get through this. And that was again about the turning point where I was like, I have to be better. I have to figure out how to be a better boss. I'm going to start changing things. And I just literally came to work the next day and started changing everything. Everything that I did, I changed and I, I kind of pivoted and I adjusted and, um, so God, I know my answer is like not a good answer, but um, I think I'm just really honest with myself and I, I give myself enough time to try to work through things. And I think that's a skill that you have to work on and build on and get in touch with yourself. And if it takes like positive affirmation, if it takes writing in a journal, if it takes um, talking to your best friends, if it takes being more vocal, like whatever it takes, um, you've got to do that because that will be ultimately a really a really big pivot point for you I've never once thought about actually quitting and doing anything else with my life and I think that's because I have this immense respect and passion and and um, willingness to figure this thing out because I feel so blessed and gifted that I've been able to have this success and be accepted into the design community and do what I love for people that are gracious and amazing and for those reasons I refuse to to let it bog me down. I I 
I just won't accept it. So the last question is from the Inspired Abode. And she caught that on Share for Share Sunday, I had mentioned when I was sharing a designer from, um, I want to say, Belgium, that I had mentioned that we're moving to Europe for seven weeks, summer 2020. So not this summer, but next summer. So she um, asked, you know, where in Europe? And I haven't really talked about it much. So her question gave me an opportunity to introduce you guys to the idea because I realized that I really haven't talked about it on social at all. And I haven't talked about it on the podcast because I think it just is still so far away that it seems so silly to be talking about something that's not happening for a year. But it takes a long time to move a family of four to Europe for the summer. So, um, yeah, we're moving to Europe next summer. And it's something that Vince and I have always really wanted to do. And from the very, very early, early stages of launching and planning the Lifestyle Company and our plan for him to join our company within the first five years started, it was largely because we wanted to summer in Europe. And I am so proud to be an American, and I think that we do so, so many things right culturally here, but I also think that as Americans and as a general population, we do some things maybe not right. (laughs) I don't want to say wrong, but I think that we have a lot to learn from people in other countries and other cultures, specifically as it relates to family. I don't think we do a good job as, as Americans in taking care of our elderly I don't think we do a good job of showing our children unconditional love in a lot of ways. Um, I don't think we do a great job with our political system without talking specifics on politics. I just think there's a lot to be learned. And Vince and I both feel like if we can show our girls um, the beauty of travel and really getting the understanding of not just staying in a five-star hotel, which is amazing and glorious, but if we can really show them and engulf them in another language and another culture and you know there are so many differences about um, America versus other countries and not just Europe just in general even states heck like if you could even do it state to state I think that's a huge benefit too Um, in in giving our children the gift of travel and helping to immerse them in a little bit more of the way the locals live so we're not we're not going over there staying in a hotel we are actually we have our house listed on a home exchange so our, our listing hasn't officially been approved yet. So when it is, I will share it with you guys. But we have our house legit on a home exchange, like the movie The Holiday. If any of you are, ho- are the Holiday fans with Cameron Diaz, it's one of my favorite movies. Um, so yeah, we legit have our house listed on a home exchange. So once that gets completely official, I'll share that with you guys. But we are hoping that we can offset some of the cost of lodging and accommodations while we're over there by having a family come stay at our house. So... There will be so much to share. Like I said, I feel like it's crazy to even start talking about this this early. But I actually did have a little epiphany the other day that if I was like pregnant, which I'm not and I won't be ever again, um, you start talking about a pregnancy a good nine months, you know, or really six, because if you are one of the people that wants to like get through the woods. So you talk about that really, really early and people are with you for the whole journey. So I'm hoping that you guys will stick with us. As of right now, we are going to Paris 
the UK, or I should say France, the UK, and maybe Italy. We're still struggling right now with with Italy or Belgium because I really want to go to Belgium or even Amsterdam. So if anyone has feedback, I would love to hear it. I am going to be opening up the discussion big time on social because I know so many people have traveled with families there and I haven't. And I'm so excited to learn from you guys and take your recommendations and figure out how we can get this thing done. I'm also going to be looking for French lessons for my daughters in Gilbert, Arizona. So if you're listening in Arizona. I would love any recommendations there. Um, But don't be afraid to share with me. As you know, I answer every single DM and it is a job, but I am so happy to do it because I am learning so much about so many people and making real connections that I feel like leads to a really authentic um, and and gratifying experience for everyone on social. And Instagram is going to go through a little change here in a bit with the whole hiding likes thing. I don't know if you've heard about that, but um, they're experimenting in Canada right now with hiding likes on posts so that the creator of the content, so you as the account owner, will be able to see the likes for your own post, but you won't actually be able to see how, like, it won't be on the front of the app, so you won't be able to see other people's. Um, So I think it's really interesting. I don't even know how I feel about it yet because I haven't really seen it in action, but I am so excited to continue on this journey with you guys. Get me on the DMs, and I'll make sure I answer every single one. (laughs) 